This podcast is brought to you by Primary Intelligence, the leader in win-loss analysis, focused on helping businesses uncover the unique story on how each sales rep can win more deals. Hey everyone, and thanks for joining me on another rousing edition of Sales Intelligence Weekly, brought to you by Primary Intelligence. I'm Ryan Queller. Is the traditional marketing funnel dead? Is it dead? Is it kaput? Is it over? The way buyers interact with sellers has changed. The way buyers research and learn about solutions has changed. The way we build trust, the time sellers have with buyers, the way we educate our buyers, it has all changed. And I'm here to tell you right here and now, it's never going to stop changing or evolving. Just deal with it. It has changed, going to continue. As sellers and marketers, it can be hard to keep up. It can be difficult to understand what's working and what's truly going on within your buyer's journey. The traditional marketing funnel may no longer apply to your buyers, which again poses the question, is the traditional marketing funnel dead? Chewing on this question with me today is my friend, Matt Cross, growth marketing manager at Notch. Matt, welcome to the show. Thanks, Ryan. Thanks for having me. Yeah, um, man. We, we want to hear a little bit about you before we get into the show. Tell us about you. Who is this enigma? <laughs> enigma. So I'm Matt Cross. So I, uh, I work with businesses to grow using um, content, social, and, and community. Um, I was previously a chef and a, a salesperson um, turned marketer, turned growth marketer. Um, so now I spend most of my time talking about the customer journey, um, how to accelerate the customer journey with Notch, and then um, also talking about chocolate, which is actually the best kind of content um, out there. And so my wife and I own a, a chocolate company called uh, Harvest Chocolate. Okay, pause. Like, okay, I know our producer's listening right now, and she's going to be really angry with me. I don't care. We're going to change the show right now. We're going to talk about chocolate. So okay, chocolatier, chocolate maker, what what are you? When you say you you, you own a chocolate, I've never been anybody that does this. So t- tell me more about this. Yeah, so um, we are chocolate makers. So we actually make the chocolate. So we import cocoa beans from all over the world um, because kind of like wine, where cocoa beans are grown um, impacts their their flavor in the end. Oh, no kidding. So, yeah. I no idea. Yeah, absolutely. So we have a whole line of single origin chocolates where you can taste from one end like fruity and bright to like rich and chocolatey um and all the way in between um and so we roast them we bring them here we roast them um and we grind them with big stone grinders into uh chocolate which it's kind of like um i don't know i think about like craft beer and like we're all out there drinking bud light right now there's a whole world of better chocolate there's a whole world of something better than bud light is what you're saying yeah Sorry, our friends at Budweiser. (laughs) Yeah. Okay. So, so Matt, that that's awesome. Tell us a little about Notch. Okay. I, I, and frankly, Johnny poked me and we got to get back to the story. Tell me a little bit about Notch. Yeah. So Notch is cool. It's a customer journey um, intelligence software. So um, we help you connect your, your, the journey to the business outcome and really show you that missing middle of the funnel um, beyond just first touch and last touch attribution. And um, as a Notch employee, I get to use it and I use it a lot to show 
the efforts of our organic and paid social um, programs and how they're tying to um, conversions on the website. So it makes those conversations internally for me so much easier than just, but look at the views over here. <laughs> but look at the, look over here. Yeah. So uh, you just said the missing middle. We, we're going to have yeah. to go there in a second, because I think that might be the key word that we need to hone in on, home in on. But before, before we do that, yes or no. Okay. Ready? Yes or no. Okay. Is, is the traditional marketing funnel dead? I think so. I say yes. Okay. Tell me why. Okay. Why, why do you say yes? I think it looks a little more like a plate of spaghetti than it does uh, <laughs> a funnel. Um, that's saying a lot coming from a, a former chef, right? So, right. So, so why does it look like a plate of spaghetti? Tell me more. I think it's that, you know, customers don't move in a, in a linear line. As much as you can plan out all of your, your journey and their, their next best actions that you want them to take, the audience is always going to take the, the action that they want to take or need to take at that time. Um, so in some of the notch data that we see, it's not that somebody consumes a top of funnel piece of content, then they move to a middle funnel piece of content, and then they move to um, something that is like lower funnel and converts. They bounce back and forth across the above and below the top of funnel to the bottom of the funnel and back again. And we see this in our notch data a lot, which is kind of in interesting how often like top of funnel blog posts show up in a journey that converts. Okay. So I, I love that answer. And that actually makes a lot of sense and aligns to some of the research that we've been seeing and or some of the, the outputs of the research that we've been conducting at primary intelligence. Um, there is no, there is no linear line in a buying cycle and mm -hmm. in, in the pre-buying cycle and the, in the education and the, the buyer's journey, the early part of the buyer journey, it, it's all over the place, but it's always been so mysterious. And you mentioned this missing middle and I want to, I want to understand that more, but before yeah. we get there, let's talk about some changes. So, so what changes have you seen maybe over the last 10, maybe even more recent last five years, what, what's changed? I think that buyers are spending more time engaging and understanding and doing research, um, having casual conversations with their peers or um, before they engage in a sales conversation um, with the company. So I, it's kind of one of the reasons why I transitioned from sales to marketing is that I saw this change happening about four-ish years ago. Mm -hmm. I was getting a lot of like, you know, demo requests that like people had no idea about the product because it wasn't available. And so you're having a lot of conversations, people just like kicking, just, hey, what does this thing do? I have no idea. Here's what I'm thinking about. And, you know, that people want to spend more time on doing that research themselves so that when they do have the conversation, they're more informed and ready to have a good conversation about their problem and the solution for it. Okay. So there's, that's both incredible and powerful and, and great for the customer, the buyer, the prospect, whatever you want to call them, but it's mm -hmm. also potentially damaging, I think. Um, because that that they have paradigms that are formulated that might be misconstrued, mm -hmm. but but beyond that, from your perspective, you know what what is the most important part maybe of that buyer or customer journey? You know where where are those moments that that matter the most? I think it's the it's in the middle of the funnel, in the middle of the journey, really. Back to that missing middle idea. Now back to that missing middle. Here we go. The this is what I was middle. hoping for. All right. It's that it's where journeys can either um, accelerate or break. 
um, by providing the right piece of content or that you're actually even just providing a way to move them to the next step in their journey. Whereas if you're not providing that in a way that that helps them move that move in that direction, then you know they may just stop researching your product or or service. So if that's the most important, is that also the place where buyers take a left at Albuquerque like Bugs Bunny? I mean, I mean, what's tell me about that that missing middle? Is this the danger zone? What what is this? Is this is this good? Is this bad? I mean, it's always been there. It's just that the a lot of attribution software runs off of first or last touch. And especially if you're running a um, longer, if it's like a longer buying cycle or high consideration um, purchase that somebody's making that takes longer and the risk is longer that that person's going to take that left at Albuquerque. Um, same. And then what we see though, is that is by seeing those those journeys that maybe are a little bit shorter based on um, referral source or um, campaign or what content they landed on or what content was consumed in the middle of the journey, you can start building those journeys to have that shorter pathway to conversion. And that's where we say that you can accelerate the customer journey, but you need to be able to see where those places are and how those journeys are starting all the way through to where they're ending. So is that the area of opportunity then for most organizations in accelerating the buying cycle of their of their customer? Yeah, I think so. I think because most people are focused on you know where it started and where it where it ended, um, but not much in what's going on in the middle and and are you answering their questions and providing the information that the buyer needs at that stage. Um, so it's a good place to put invest, especially right now, um, because you can show the the. Um, the impact of it. Okay. So how do we go about finding, how do we go about finding what, uh, about what, what's most important to, to buyers in, in those most important times, right? In that missing middle. Mm -hmm. So I think a measurement framework is really the key. Um, so you can measure across your whole um, customer journey of where you are. Um, it's kind of different for, for every organization, but um, being able to see how like it, groups of your audience are moving from across the journey. Um, that's kind of how we look at it. So we have a like audience building kind of group of metrics um, that tie up to KPIs and business outcomes. And then we have an audience engagement um, group of metrics. And then we have a pipeline creation group of metrics that all tie up to KPIs and business outcomes. So we're watching as people are moving across the different channels that we, we operate on. Um, and that way we're able to see how they're moving, where we maybe we have op opportunities to, to optimize and, and accelerate that cycle. So this is the, the biggest part of the, the self-education. I'm connecting some dots here, right? So uh, we, we've learned from previous shows and previous episodes that the amount of time that, that buyers are spending live with sellers has diminished greatly down to maybe five to 10% somewhere in there. A very, very small amount of time is actually face-to-face -face with the, with the seller or the buyer. The vast majority that's happening on the front end, self-educating these casual conversations that you were talking about. So how, how, how big is that missing middle where most people where organizations where they, if they don't have the visibility to that missing middle, how much of that buyer journey percentage wise, roughly, are they actually missing? I, it could be um, two thirds to like three quarters of that that buying journey. I mean, um, 
that's where it could be six months. It could be 18 months. Like, um, it's hard to, hard to say, but it's a big, it's a big portion of time where the audience spends their time there in the middle of the journey. Okay. So that makes perfect sense to me why you would say that's where that, you know, the, the area of greatest opportunity is in accelerating the buying cycle, because we don't know, and it could last anywhere, you know, three months, six months, 18 mm -hmm. months, two years, who knows how long it's going to take. So if the, let, let, let's, let's go a little bit further. Um, if the traditional marketing funnel is dead, what should go to market teams do instead? I think it's, you know, where go to market team and we use uh, just a measurement framework, really. That's what, that's what we're using to measure and understand our, our own customer journey. And um, I think it really is back to tying your metrics and your KPIs to business outcomes um, and having those right business outcomes that you're working towards. Um, that's really, I think, what go to market teams need to be focused on now. Why, why the outcomes? The, the why is that the most important place to fo focus right now? So you're generating what what the business needs. Um, I think right now more, it's not growth at all costs anymore. And now you need to be able to tie your tie your activities to the impact on the business more so than you maybe you did before. So time being able to tie it up every all of your activities through your KPIs to business outcomes is what'll allow you to get to that like executive level of, of decision-making and allow you to keep doing the program that's working or stop what's not working. Um, I just find when you're, when you're talking about business outcomes, the higher up you go, the easier it gets to keep doing, doing what you're doing if you're delivering on those business outcomes. And what you're doing is really um, giving the higher ups more reasons to say yes to what you're attempting to do. I mean, at the end of the day, you're talking about a nuanced delineation between internal versus external marketing. Uh, and if you don't have the internal support, the external marketing doesn't happen. Is, am, I, am I kind of following what you're, am I yeah, picking up what I, you're laying down, Matt? I love what you're talking about the internal marketing, because I do think I've always said that the internal sale is as important or more important than the external sale. Tell me why. So I totally agree. 100% agree. Right. So tell me more what, what you're thinking here. You, you have to get everybody on board with, with what you're doing. And even if that's just like bringing on a client, you know, yeah, there's money, but you need to tell them why that, that client is the right client for them and how they're going to use the product and where the use case is and build that um, support for that being a very good client and how you're going to deliver on what you've promised to that client. But, um, and I think in terms of marketing, it's just, the visibility of, of showing what you're doing and having the right data and um, uh, just the, to back up and support what the arguments that you're making and then deliver on it. It just makes, so like always just talking and, and sharing that information internally with the people that are the stakeholders, really not even it, it just with everybody. You know, we have a, a Slack channel called Positive Vibes and I drop things in there all the time of, of things that I, come across and seeing like a positive signal um, out on LinkedIn, just so that everybody can see that it's working and there's these positive things going on around it. We have one of those internally as well. We call them success stories. I like positive vibes better. That sounds more, <laughs> you know, general and can be, you know, whatever um, success stories is it's like Uber business and it's a little lame. So noting that we may be stealing positive vibes. Thank you for that. Well, I'll pay a nickel every time I say it. Um, so, 
okay, so how do we do this? How do we create a customer journey that actually facilitates growth? Uh, the measurement's important for uh, the, the, the missing middle. How do we create this customer journey that facilitates growth? I mean, it, it, it's back to business outcomes, right? Like you need to, you need the, the outcome. Like, so for us, it's like a demo request or, you know, maybe it's a email newsletter sign up or something like that. Somewhere where, you know, you're, you're working to build that, that audience base, base. So like, you know, email addresses in a CRM or social growth, things like that. And then how are you going to deliver that and building out that, that journey before then? Um, and we, we like to plan out the content upfront. Um, and then it goes back to that next best action versus next best audience action. You know, you take your hypothesis, put it out there, um, and then watch and see how the audience responds. And then you need to test and adjust along the way, driving towards um, whatever that goal is that, that you have. Okay. So there's a, uh, I, I have my whiteboard over here and about almost two, well, almost a third of it is quotes and sayings and, and things like this. And I have two up here that, that are coming to mind, a skew obf obfuscation and a spouse elucidation. It's a fun little, you know, play, play on words, but the other one is stepping back from visit from visibility so that zones of invisibility might come to light. Here's my question. How do you shed light on those dark spots? How do you find shed light on those zones of invisibility um, uh, for your, of, of your buyer and your customer journey? How do you do this? Yeah. Back to the measurement framework. I think um, <laughs> I'm sensing a pattern here, Matt, the measurement yeah, framework is really important. Yes. We're big fans of measurement frameworks at Notch. Um, but yeah, I mean, having that like, and, and seeing that, because sometimes like you, you not going to catch everything. Um, right. But then sometimes you see that there are things that you need to dive deeper into. So um, for a client, once we did this email program, um, I think it was seven emails sent out to like 750,000 people. So it was like big enough to, to have, to make a, a difference. And we noticed that, um, email three and email five, we're getting much higher open rates and click-throughs. And so, but the, what those people were doing is that they were going through and they were going to much lower funnel content. So they were farther along in the buyer cycle than other emails or whatever, right? So now you've identified those people, you've seen the content that resonated, and now you need to dig deeper into like all of that, right? Like what's going on there and how do we use all that information to um, form the next hypothesis that we're going to use to try to capture more of those people who are at that, that more of that level in the journey. Help me unpack this for our listeners that are in the sales space, not the marketers who would understand exactly what you're talking about, but for our, our selling audience, what does that mean? Lower in the funnel? Why is that good? Why is that bad? It means they've already, um, have an awareness of their problem. Um, they probably have a more of an awareness of you as the solution um, that at least that you can probably help them. And at least they're probably more worth having willing and to have a conversation that's a little more meaningful than um, somebody that doesn't know who you are or that they even have a problem or that you help solve that problem. So in essence, if I'm translating this into sales speak, um, the faster or the deeper we can we can get the faster and the deeper we can get somebody in and through the funnel mm -hmm. uh, at a starting point that's closer to me the better 
the or the the shorter the buying cycle could be potentially. Yeah. Am I following? Yeah, absolutely. Okay. So, so we uh, all I, the shorter well, I'm sorry, buying. one more time. So we all want is the shorter buying cycle, right? Like so that you get on a call with somebody and they're like, yep, I have this problem. I know that you're one of two companies that solve for this problem and I have budget and I'm just looking to solve this in the next like three months. No, I, I, I really like the, you know, drawn out sales cycle where there's a lot of wishy-washy and they're like, you know what I'm going to buy. And then six months later they go, they ghost you. And then six months later they're back. No, I, I prefer that. So I, yeah. I like to start well down the road. You know, I, I like that pain. <laughs> it says nobody ever. So, okay. This, this makes sense. So, um, you made the transition from selling to marketing. So you, you understand why I'm asking some of these questions. Mm-hmm. Um, help us understand from a, um, from a starting position. Let's say I'm an, I'm a listener right now and I might be a marketer and I am really good at the beginning at the end. And that missing middle is kind of a head scratch to me. How do I start? You know, how do I start this missing middle exploration? I think first is getting alignment um, internally with stakeholders on the identifying the problem that like, Hey, we're using Google analytics. It's only, you know, or we're using this paid, you know, paid social. It's only showing us that this person clicked and we know that this person, uh, this is where they came from. And then this is where they converted, but there's this big gray area. We don't know what they did. Um, And then if you can show some numbers, like, Hey, we, you know, a thousand people came in from this place four of them converted. Why? We don't really know why. We don't know that we could get that. Can we get that number higher? What are those people out there doing, um, you know, that, that didn't convert yet? That doesn't, it's not a bad thing. They, they could still just be, you know, just not ready and they're going to, you know, come back later and convert, but it's not going to show to that original first attribution point. So I think always what I do is just um, build that internal alignment on the problem um, that everyone's in agreement that the problem exists and that it's worth solving for. Um, and then you can work on how do we solve for that problem and what resources do we have available to solve for that problem? But always just getting that, that internal marketing, um, is step one, getting everybody on board that, that this is, this is what we need to be working on. And then, you know, then you can start working on it. Who are those stakeholders typically that you need to get on, uh, on board? Uh, for example, um, I know you, you may not need support, right? You may not need technical support or like customer facing technical support to be on board with this. Who are those right stakeholders that you need to go align with internally? Um, I always just start with my boss. Um, first one, get them on board. It's usually a good place to start, right? right. Step one boss. <laughs> um, and then, you know, internally, just that team, the marketing team, um, if you're, if you're in marketing, um, and then all the way up, you definitely always need, uh, an executive stakeholder, um, whether or not they're fully involved in the day to day, but at least that they are on board, that they, they know that this is a problem and it's, and it's worth, um, solving for is that one's crucial. If you really want to succeed. Why? Okay. Crucial is <laughs> a big word, dude. Uh, why, why are they crucial? They, they have the pull, they have the, the resources and the, you know, they can allocate resources. They can say, this is a bigger problem. We need to solve for it. Or, you know, they can say, nope, we don't need to do this anymore. Um, but it definitely, it gives that, that shines the light on it at that, that level. I mean, it depends on the size of your organization. You know, you might not need to go all the way to the top or a fairly small company. So, um, we just go right to the top, but (laughs) 
I guess it depends on the, the organization, right? Yeah. So what you're saying is step one is identify those stakeholders who might have influence over the direct, you know, over the initiative that you're planning on going and then mm -hmm. getting alignment with them. Yeah. Uh, okay. Absolutely. If you had, you know, winding our conversation down here, Matt, you've been, you've been phenomenal, man. Thank you for, for helping us understand this. Um, and, and, and this is, this is a, a a barrier for most marketers and for many sellers that most sellers, this is difficult to understand. They don't understand that missing middle, the importance of it, the importance of a, a measurement framework that, that that's lost, right? That it's not even known. We're ignorant to those things. So this is helpful to us understanding. If you had one piece of advice to leave our listeners, you know, what would it be? I, and I know it's a terrible question, right? So, uh, but, but let me ask it anyway, because I'm a terrible host. So, uh, you know, what, what's that one piece of advice? I was just thinking about um, sales people, how like if you are prospecting out there and you're kind of getting nowhere and you're you're doing a ton of activity and, you know, all the conversations you have or people are like, hey, this is cool, great. But like, um, you know, I don't have any money and, you know, this isn't something I'm working on right now. Like that's, that's the signal that like you're not the the you need to focus on the customer journey i think love that that, that was just no that's that's, that's, that's perfect that's exactly what i was looking for <laughs> matt thank you so much for being on the show today man this was helpful uh hope you're by the way do you ship nationwide your your chocolate or is it only local to 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 where you're at uh we do ship nationwide actually uh harvestcraftchocolate.com um we've got some snacking chocolate for everyone that that is uh snacking on chocolate chips in the baking in their in their cupboard um time to upgrade um and then we have some seasonal chocolate bars and gift sets all the time too so yeah come in uh harvestcraftchocolate.com we ship we ship nationwide you're going to get an order for my wife and i tonight so <laughs> hey thanks matt it was a pleasure having you on the show thanks yeah thanks ryan and listeners for more from our friends at notch and from us here at primary intelligence check out the show notes at www.primary-intel.com forward slash podcast. And remember, no deal is out of reach. We'll see you next time.